Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean, thanks for joining us. All right. Glad you are here with us as we talk about financial matters. And um, last week, Pat, we said we were going to talk about SPACs, and we didn't talk about we SPACs. We did not we talk failed. about SPACs. So um, if you're new to this show, it's Welcome. a financial show. Thank you for <laughs> joining us. And we talked about this money. 28 years. We take phone calls and answer questions and rant about things that. Um, May or may not be of interest to you, but I, I, this, this SPAC thing, I, I remember when it... If you've listened to the show for a while, you remember us talking about when these things were hot. Everyone was coming out with a special purpose acquisition company. Which is? It's a way to skirt typical IPO rules. So you want to raise money from the public, raise capital from the general public. Instead of going public, which is very uh, cumbersome and expensive... You create this special purpose acquisition company, which is a blind <laughs> pool. You put your money in, and then later, they after you put your money in, the management decides what company they're going to buy, and or what companies and or what industry. By the way, typically when they start the SPAC, the management knows exactly what company that they had their eye on. So, um, as we're not always right, but when these came out, I thought, would you really invest in something that you can't see or know just based on a wink and a nod like this is going to be okay? And this is, this is a sign of the frothy markets back there where, you know, who can make a mistake? So these raised billions and billions of dollars, these special purpose acquisition companies. Um, and we said, do not touch these. Don't. Please stay away from them. So the one that came to my attention, they've they've lost more than one hundred billion dollars in market value, billions, billions. So I started looking up some of these the other day just for kicks, and the one that I came across that was just really mind numbing was Wheels Up. So what is Wheels Up? So if you are wealthy and want to pri- fly private right? Um, You can sign up for many, many companies out there. So the old one in the industry is a Berkshire Hathaway company, which is, um, you know, a respected company, and that's a NetJets. Um, And a lot of, and that's been around for a long, long time. What's the difference between a wheels up and a... Uh, It's how they charge uh, in the subscription. Um, So... um, Wheels up. Not that I have a either. not that I have a, a great understanding of this, but um, I did some research after I watched Wheels Up at twenty eight cents a share. This came out about two years ago at ten dollars a share. What could go wrong? What could go uh, wrong? Private private plane uh, travel. Rich people. COVID. Like people want to be sick. Twenty eight cents a share. What is that? Ninety. It's not good. 97%? It's not, it's not good. It's not good. So this is just a reminder. And there were some high-profile ones, like Richard Branson's, uh, that intergalactic Star Wars thing, whatever he had going, they, uh, whatever they called that thing. Yes. So, so even the sponsors of it don't protect you, regardless of who they are, don't protect you from uh, bad investments because the sponsor typically makes money on this whether you make money or not. But what it reminded me is the old Virgin saying. Galant- Virgin Galactic Holdings. It's <laughs> The shares are down about 60%. Well, most of them are down at least 30%. So, but what it reminded me was, to, as an investor, don't get enamored with the flashy new things. It's okay to be conservative, old school, fuddy-duddy, well, Basic the, the, allocation. The, the in thing your about portfolio. this, Pat, and sometimes it was just betting on the the celebrity that was raising the cash. Shaquille O'Neal had a spec. I mean, it was like a lot of people suddenly put their name behind the spec. So it's 
it's one thing to say, well, this is this company has a really interesting product or a really interesting service. They've got a great management team. I think I'm going to invest in that company, right? That's one thing. The other is, well, here's this person who did something interesting in the past. Maybe it's not even related to business. Who knows what they're going to invest in? But I just like that person, so I'm going to send a bunch of cash because what can go wrong? You mean like cryptocurrencies with these uh, celebrities being uh, sued uh, by the Securities Exchange Commission for promoting an unregistered <laughs> security? security? You mean that? Yeah. That. Exactly, exactly that. what they did. Yes. They were unregistered securities. They were unregistered. The these SPACs were actually registered, but um, kind of the same principle. You're buying a, as my grandfather used to say, a pig in a poke. What does that mean? Well, I actually looked it up <laughs> a while ago. When, between looking at various companies that went public via SPAC. Now you know what I do when I can't <laughs> sleep in the middle of the night, other than send you... Hmm. Other, Pick it a poke. Other than send you emails at 3.30 in the morning. I get those sometimes. Um, is, uh, a pig and a poke is in a crate that you can't see the whole pig. That was my understanding of what a pig and a poke is. Okay. By the way, if you have a different understanding, probably not going to take your call. Okay. Just to, just to be clear. All right. Let's uh, to, um, have some of our callers, our guests, uh, join us here. If you'd like to be part of our program, you can send us an email, questions at moneymatters.com. We'll set up a time to uh, record your call, questions at moneymatters.com. And uh, we're talking with Tim. Tim, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, guys. How are you? Wonderful. What can we do Good. to help? Good. Well, I've got a, a question on student loans. Um, and Don't these are get them. For, for my kids. Oh, okay. Not for me. So I have three kids who uh, two of them are now out of school. One graduated in 2020, one graduated in 22, and one is going to graduate in 24. And and we they took out the loans, um, knowing you know fully uh, knowing full well that they were going to have to pay them back. Well, when they got out in 2020, the one that got out in 2020, he had about thirteen thousand dollars in loans. And when we heard that the um, that they were put on hold and they might be paid, you know, ten thousand might be paid off, we said, or I said to him, I suggested to him, let's just hold off on paying that off. Yeah. And happens. we'll see if we get the 10000 done. Well, now that we know that the 10000 is probably not going to be forgiven, the question comes down to – and by the way, the other one has about – she'll have about 13000 and, and and the other one also, by and the way. Did you, they're not how we it. Tim, did you or your spouse personally sign on any of these loans? No, no. It's and we all in the kid's did, name. Correct. Okay, correct. perfect. And we did that on purpose. Yeah. As you should have. Yeah, yeah. That way, that way. What's and the rush to pay them off now? I think it, isn't this we're waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on this? Well, let, let's. Well, so, what's your question though? Before we get dig into that, Scott? well, I guess it's more of a financial planning question because the the two of them have graduated and have uh, pretty decent jobs. Actually, the the one who graduated in 2020, he's had the money to pay this off since about uh, the second. Well, after the first year of getting out and getting the job, he's had the ten thousand um, dollars, or he's actually had thirteen thousand dollars. He's ready to pay it off. What's the interest and rate the on the loans? Is, is the question is do you? I mean, ethically, you feel like you should because you took it out knowing that you had to pay it back. But as a financial planner, do you think? Well, you know, the tax rules change, so you count the the student loan rules changing. Do you wait to see if that really happens? You know, it's kind of almost an ethical or a moral That's question. That's right. And then it's also a, a, a waiting to see what the, you know, what the rules are going to be. I, and so I'm just kind of, we're just trying to figure what's, out how do you plan for it. What's the interest rate on the loans? Well, nothing right now because Look, the interest is, you know, It's been deferred. And, and right. what will it be? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, Do we so know? when I was younger, I I would play Monopoly, right? I'm yeah, sure we've all right. played Monopoly. Yeah. And with Monopoly, you read through the rules. What are the rules of the game? Now, we, we, everyone wanted to get Boardwalk and Park Place because you knew that if you can get those two 
and get a couple of hotels, you're going to bankrupt. I like the by. railroads and the utilities. The railroads and utilities were always good as well. <laughs> like, here's my point. Like, Hasbro designed the game. They set the rules. I'm playing the game. I'm going to play by the, whatever those rules are. I view tax law, uh, government-funded whatever, like I'm going to play by the rules that are provided to me. I'm going to pay the taxes that I owe. I'm not going to pay a penny more. I'm going to take any itemized deduction I can. Uh, if the government wants to give me a free handout for whatever, because I'm a short, bald guy, I'll take that. <laughs> right? Like, right. I, and so it's just I, I a matter this of time, is, by I the way, I think it's Scott. abhorrent, frankly. I think it's I, the fact that we uh, have these young people take out these large loans that the government it's the government. The whole government runs the whole education they system. They didn't. They didn't underwrite them. There's no underwriting. They encourage these kids to take out these big loans and right. go to these universities. That a lot of them now have more administrators than they have students. It's uh, all right. bloated because of the government. So, I think the whole system is disgusting. But I don't think the government should be in the business of for, uh, just going and forgiving these loans, carte blanche. I think that's disgusting. Well, but and, having said that. If I owned, if I had a student loan, and the government said, "By the way, that thirteen thousand you now owe is only three thousand, I'd say, "Thank you very much. Here's my three thousand." That's how you view the world. That's my yeah, that's yeah. my opinion. That's what he was calling. Yeah, about, but but the question, okay, and I agree, but I don't think they're going to forgive these the, what, even the ten thousand. What's what's the what's the harm in waiting? It's only a couple more months, well, isn't it? I mean, what's the harm of waiting two or three years? The carry cost is almost nothing. Right, right, right. So, so no, and, and but I guess okay. So here's the financial planning question. So I I think I heard you guys say this months ago, where then they're going to come up with some crazy formula that says if you have if you make X amount of money over the poverty, it's already line, there, yeah. And then you then you spend. X amount of money, your discretionary. That's right. That's right. That's right. That, That's how they determine that. your yes. payment. Yes. But there's still interest so accruing. Do, so how do I mean? I look, tried to look that up, you know, and oh, I, I was I, able I, to find out what it was. But then you're thinking, well, what is? Does it just make more sense just to pay the darn thing off? No, it may. It may make sense to pay it off, but but not now. I would just wait because I would just wait. That the Supreme Court, I believe, they already heard arguments a couple months ago, and they're supposed to rule on this in June. But, I, is that I, but not, e June, I would July. I would wait. I mean, I would wait. No, right, and 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 they will wait because you're right. If they do forgive it, it's going to be a down payment on a car farm. It would be my guess. Yeah. Um, but if but I'm guessing it's going to come through in, in say six months, whatever it is, I three get, months. And by six the way. Months, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to um, – I don't think the president has the power to – When we yeah, when I, we get to the end of this and you believe that there will not be any forgiveness, then have them pay off the loan. Then I'd pay it off immediately. Okay, and that's what I was going to say. Do you pay it off in the big chunk or do you wait to see if, well, what's the poverty line? How much do you pay? No. Do you wait the 10 years to wait to let it go? Or do you just say oh. the heck with it? Let's just – you hey. could you could do that. I mean, the thing that like if this was one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, it'd be a different story. Yeah, and then at that point in time, like I was talking to a young person who was going to nursing school, and I said, "Load up on the student loans because you might find that you find yourself calling to a small community hospital where they're subsidizing nurses because uh, they need them, and they're going to subsidize it through the repayment of student loans." Right, we have right. no idea where it's going. It's thirteen thousand dollars. The your interest kid, rate it sounds like your oldest has saved enough money to pay it off. And what how a, much? How much? Does, how much does your oldest make? Uh, he probably makes uh, right now about um, seventy five thousand. All right. So he, he, yeah, he, and if you and look, if if you don't know what to do, then split the difference and pay it off no, over I'd three years. Off. But I'd probably just pay it off. I, I yeah. wouldn't be in a hurry, though, until I actually waited to see where this legislation... Actually, it wasn't legislation yeah, at all. That yeah, was the problem. That's why it's him. Yeah. Well, congratulations on... Uh, no kidding. My last... Uh, my youngest out of my four just graduated last... Uh, two weekends ago. Your youngest is oh. out of college now? Yeah. We are getting old. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, actually... They work, they What's that? They worked hard at, you know, they all, they worked through college, you know, and they, they, they took out the loans, but they had to, but they, 
They also paid it off. So yeah, they well, these are not big student loan balances. That's, they're very that, manageable. Yeah, they're very very and and it didn't hurt them. From all of my children worked through college, and I think it actually helped them. Oh, I, I agree. But yeah. I, I, I got to tell you though, you know what I I learned. Uh, so at the graduation, I was with uh, my son and five of his friends, and I called one of them, buddy. Hey, buddy. And then, like, you can't call people buddy. Why? Um, it is not a term of endearment. They said that it is now uh, considered an insult, kind of a uh, in your face when you call someone buddy. And I'm like, oh. I had no idea. Um, there were lots of other terms back in high school days that <laughs> were very common, <laughs> calling your I friends that you would never say to. I know, but 60 years of age, I'm like, buddy's wrong? And he's like, yeah, don't. Dad, if if they weren't my friends and you just ran into them in the street, it wouldn't have ended the same way. They would have come back at well, you. Well, thanks for sharing this uh, useful information. I'm just trying to save people from from the embarrassment that I went through. Because the majority of our listeners are not uh, 22 years old. No, but they're closer to. I know, but it would you can't Tim's call age. someone a Tim. Do you ever call someone Buddy? Hey, Buddy. Uh, I I actually have a, a friend whose name is Buddy. Okay. So Poor now guy. what do I do? I don't know. There's your next question. You've dealt with this issue. That's your next issue to be right. focused well, on. Well, appreciate the call, Tim. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. It's just a, it, it, it's got, it's just a, I, I, I recognize I am getting old. <laughs> okay, right. Thanks. <laughs> but I don't. Lots of, uh, lots of things that age and I really enjoy. I, I don't want to be that grumpy old guy that's completely out of touch. And then I realized when I called someone buddy that I was out of touch. You're an old man to them regardless. <laughs> you can wear the latest jeans, <laughs> wear the coolest clothes. Your your language is still going to be way off. You're always going to be a couple seasons behind the slang. Okay. Thank you. All right. Let's, let's. And I don't know why that's not, why is that not, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with that either. No. Oh. <laughs> All right. We're in North Carolina talking with Joe. Joe, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, buddies. No, I'm <laughs> okay. All right. That's it. <laughs> that's it, Joe. <laughs> Off the phone. <laughs> what can we do for you? So, guys, uh, back in 2020, my eager, meager money was at a large bank, and I didn't like what was going on. Ultimately, I had them sell everything and started managing my money myself. And so when you time, say it was I at a large bank, you were using some brokerage account or something there and owned yes. investments. Yeah. Yes. You, you were like at a so, Merrill Lynch, which is a division of Bank of America, something along those lines. Something along those lines, yes. Okay. But in the end, we didn't have enough money to be of interest to them. And essentially, it looked to me like it was basically a you know, mutual fund at, at a high rate. So... I had them sell everything. My objective at that point, because we are, my wife and I are at that time in our late 60s, now early 70s, was to take our funds and A, preserve capital, B, maximize income. Okay. So I bought mostly with what we had um, aristocrats, kings, companies that were paying good, in, uh, paying good yields, good dividends. But we're at the press prices because of the COVID activity. And now some of them are looking like maybe they're running out of steam, but they're such good companies. My real question is, should I hold them or because they did fit my criteria back when I bought them and they still do. But are they, you know, now where I've made some good money on them, should I take some money and look for better investments? Is this inside companies of an IRA like, or outside of an IRA? Most everything is in IRA. Uh, Accounts, okay. my right. wife and I. And but how many? Like, yeah. Give me an example. Okay, Exxon. I yeah. own that at thirty-nine, and the yield on it is over nine percent. Yeah, they've got tons Procter of cash. Gamble, um, Abbey. I mean, I've got several that are paying in the seven, eight, nine percent uh, yield. But also, you're seeing or hearing, for example, with Exxon that maybe the oil industry is running out of steam a little bit and. You know, I, I've made almost triple my money on that one. So, so how many individual stocks are in the portfolio? I have about 35 positions. Okay. And how much money is this? 
A little around eight hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. Any bond in there at all? Yeah, I have about a hundred and forty in in short term, six and twelve and two year okay. T bills. And I should preface the, he, with okay. You should preface with with the income we get from a small pension, Social Security, and the interest off of the stocks, we could survive. However, a couple grand more a month would make it more pleasant. Here's 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 why I'm challenged to answer your question. Um, ninety three percent of actively managed mutual funds have failed to outperform the index that they uh, are closely associated with over the last decade. Okay. So less than one out of 10 professional stock pickers have done better than if they just bought the basket of stocks and went on vacation for the last decade. Like, okay. So like an S and P ETF or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but you've taken it one step further, which is your portfolio is what highly, uh, diversified in value stocks, right? So you don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like you have any growth and stocks. Large and large cap. And large cap value. So out of, if I took the sectors of the, and broke them into nine basic cubes, there's large cap growth, large cap uh, blend between growth and value and large cap value, mid cap, small cap across these nine sectors. You're, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're all up at the top right, which by the way, hasn't been bad. Since you started and investing, for our, age, for our age, it may make the most sense. Well, but what happens? The, the but markets go through cycles. So what you're doing now is some pieces of your portfolio are not in favor right now. They're out of favor, and so now you're questioning whether you should own these or not. Well, maybe that's the way to position it. More, I'm looking at it and saying, for example, uh, and we do own. All right, you know. Microsoft, uh, IBM, Cisco. Okay. Okay. Uh, Qualcomm. Okay. Um, so those are about 18% of the portfolio is in tech. Okay. All right. Well, I take that back. It's not all large cap value, but you've so, got no mid cap or small cap in there. Um, maybe a little bit, not a hell of a lot. Yeah, fair so amount in my- banking, fair amount in energy. Um, <laughs> so the bigger, so the real issue is though, that the majority the vast majority of individual investors do themselves harm by picking individual securities, not help. Even with all the research they put in, the vast majority of professional stock pickers with their teams of analysts do themselves harm. So with that knowledge, like it's hard for me to say, well, gee, Joe, uh, based upon your stock picking, you should do this and this or that. I, I don't think that's a way to build or preserve wealth. You would move back well, to. An I don't e- own thirty-five securities. I don't either. Actually, I take that back. I've got a direct index, which I own lots more than that. But it's all part of an index strategy. Uh, you're mimicking an index. You're not actually picking the individual stocks I don't yourself. Pick, I don't even pay attention to the individual stocks. It's it's all to to, to track an index. Yeah. No one's pick, no one's decide making a decision. Should I have? I probably have a couple hundred individual securities. No one's making a decision. Uh, let's have this is this company's not doing so well. To, the you're trying to mimic are, the S and P five hundred. Why why did you why did you go that direction? Because the, the income side of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I, so I would ask you to reframe uh, that thought, right? Because it's an IRA, and the IRA doesn't differentiate between capital gains, interest income, qualified dividend dividends. income, qualified. It doesn't. It's all taxes, ordinary it, income. It's all taxes, ordinary income. And so you could make an argument why it should be outside of an IRA, but inside of an IRA, what you're really interested in is total return over time. And I don't believe. Well, but what's that? Your operative word there is time. We're in our 70s and income, monthly income, as opposed to long-term growth is perhaps more important. No, 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 uh, but, 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 but it doesn't matter. It, it, and the reason is, is because 
you can sell a, a capital, a, a, a mutual fund that's got capital appreciation. Or a company that appreciates. Or appreciates. So Spend the appreciation. Um, take the gains if you want, but I would actually go back and refashion the whole portfolio to actually make it. I'd, 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 I would use mutual funds or ETFs, and I would get some mid-cap and small-cap exposure in there. And I wouldn't pay a, almost no attention to what the dividends are on those particular uh stocks because I'm interested in total return. And, and sometimes these companies pay out a dividend. The dividend is greater than their earnings. By the way, you've got tons of time on your hands. Don't, don't, you're not, you're not going any, well, I shouldn't say well, that. Two, Most people in their seventies have plenty of run. You've got a that. greater than 50% chance that uh, either you or your wife will be alive into your nineties. Greater than 50% chance. So that's a long time. We're going to take a quick break. This is all worth money matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. All right, welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. We realize that some of you listen uh, on the radio and you just heard some commercials or news or something. And some listen uh, via podcast. And so when we say we're right back, we probably were only gone two seconds. But uh, in any case, <clears throat> before we get take some calls... I want to talk about a practice that has gone on in the investment management industry. It's now called wealth management, by the way. It was brokerage. They were brokers. Then they became financial advisors. And it was the brokerage business, the investment business. Now it's wealth management. Everyone calls themselves wealth managers for whatever reason. Um, but these, the large banks will compete against one another, and they, they poach each other's advisors and you might maybe you're, you've worked with someone for the last 25 years and they're at Merrill Lynch or Smith Barney or whatever and you've watched them move every several years yeah. 10 it years used, it used to be five but it's longer now and the way they this is, Scott do you remember so Scott and I have owned a business uh, an investment advisory firm in Sacramento for almost 30 years now but there was a gentleman who was a big stockbroker in town for years and years and he would jump firms about every five years. So he'd move from one big wirehouse to the next to the next. And one time he jumped firms. We ran, this is when people read physical newspapers. We ran a quarter page ad in the Sacramento Bee that showed a phone dangling that says, <laughs> it's 9 a.m. Do you know where your advisor is? Well, because this guy used to say it's, 3 p.m. Do you know where your money is? He did a radio program for years. Yes. And, so we ran an ad that said, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we got any business from it. It was just kind of fun to poke at. I'm it was. And he was actually a friend of mine. I know. That's what it makes it even more fun. <laughs> and we ran this ad. And it just well, had a picture of a phone dangling. So Kelly, if you live in, North, in Sacramento region, you know who Kelly Brothers is. Kelly Brothers was, for years, was an anchor, a TV news anchor. And then, I don't know, 15 years ago, transitioned into the wealth management business. Good guy, good yeah. firm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he, the, Kelly and his family have a dog named Hanson McLean. I think it might still be alive. I hope so. Last time I talked to him, okay. they, go, he, they call him Hanson. Okay. Because Pat McLean, at a fund, charity fundraiser, his wife went to the dog, said, I will buy the dog. Pat knew the money was, they were going to get the money from Pat one way or the other to the charity. So <laughs> Pat says, I'll buy the dog as long as you name the dog Hanson McLean, which was the name of our firm at the time. The, the fact that he's a competitor. So one of our main we're, competitors. And we're yeah. still friends. <laughs> I, I still love that. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah. It was an expensive joke. I mean, we talked about charities. being competitors, but um, he's a good firm. They're a good firm. Yeah. No, I mean, there's some great advisors out there. There's some terrible advisors out there's there. There's some terrible advisors out there. So I would consider a great advisor. Kind of competitors, but I mean, the reality is there's plenty of opportunities yes. out there for everybody. <laughs> so back to our, what we were talking about is our business and these, they, they have a tendency to be these larger wirehouse firms, oftentimes now owned by banks and they pay these recruiting bonuses that, and they used to pay them every five years. So what they would do is they would come to you and you're Bill Smith, the advisor at, you know, bank brokerage. And they'd say, Hey, Bill. We want you to come and join our bank brokerage. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to give you a check that is the equivalent of four years, five years 
of the income that you made last year. So Bill made $300,000 last year, $400,000. They say, we're going to scratch you a check for $2 million if you come over here. And by the way, bring all your clients. By the way, Bill, we're not just going to give it to you. What we're going to do is we're going to forgive 15% of it over a seven-year period or 20% over a five-year period. So what these are called is forgivable loans, and they use them as recruitment tools in order to get people to move from one brokerage firm to the other. Yep. That's how they Very do Very common. Super common. Not common in- so As the- of um, February of this year, this was according to an article out of uh, CityWire, RAA, uh, as of February, this Morgan Stanley was extending as much as 350% of someone's last 12 month revenues as uh, a bonus. But these, to your point, Pat, they, they are, are given in the way of forgivable loans. So let's say they give someone a check for a million dollars. It's not taxable immediately. It's only taxable when that loan's forgiven. So the, the, the broker's firm will say, look, Pat, you come work for us. We're going to give you, here's a check for a million dollars. But in return, you've got to pay us back over the next 10 years unless you hit certain production targets, quotas. And if you hit these quotas, we will forgive. The we'll forgive these. So it, it, it doesn't. It's golden handcuffs. It doesn't happen in the. the independent RAs. Independent advisors. So what it does is it creates. Incredible conflicts of interest. Incredible con- conflicts of interest. Because all of a sudden, you've got to hit production bonuses on an annual basis. And by the way, let's just face it. The people, are, investment advisors are in the money business, so they typically understand money. Present company included. Um, that matters, but not at the sac- sacrifice of of how you're managing the client's dollars so that one product may pay a higher commission than another product. And if I need to hit this certain quota on this year, I'm going to promote right. this product over this product because of the commissions that are paid. That's the conflict it's created. That's a conflict. And here's what's happened at first Republic bank, which was just they, forced sale by the feds, right? They have a wealth division and they were paying up to 400% of someone's um, revenue for the So First Republic. They had a quite respected uh, wealth division. They did. They did. They did. Until they went bankrupt. So when this whole thing was blowing up. Receivership, excuse me. Um, the advisors weren't able to leave. Or they'd have to scratch this big check back to. It's a mess. The new firm. Or the firm that they went to would scratch the big check back to first Republic, which is oftentimes what happens, but they're just backroom deals. It's just, um, it's just a dirty, I, it's one of these things that I'm, I, frankly, I'm surprised the regulators allow this to happen just because of the conflicts that it creates. You're indebted to your employer. Well, I don't think there's, How can you act okay. as a fiduciary? You are indebted to your employer. And most of the time, these guys spend the money. Yes. I mean, by and large, I hate to say it, a lot of people in the investment business, the financial advice business, are not that good at managing their own money. They live high. In the, they live high. And the conflicts it creates, whether it's, it's hey, why don't you take a, you're going to buy the new house, vacation home? Don't sell your securities. Why don't you take a loan against them instead? That way you don't have to sell your securities. Let's just borrow against the stuff you have. Which Let's is actually a debt. form of revenue. Because I get, because I, by the way, my employer requires me to have X amount of loans done each year. And by the way, if you borrow against your securities rather than sell them, I actually get paid as the broker on that. It's a anyway, disgusting model. It's, um, look, just and by be the aware. way, there's some great, and I picked on uh, Morgan Stanley. There are some great advisors at Morgan Stanley. But there's still this is the model that they that your if your advisor's there, your advisor is choosing to still live within that model. So 
they recommend something out of the ordinary, like, do you have a uh, quota? Don't, I don't think they call it a quota. <laughs> they don't call it a quota. They don't call it a quota. They call it something else. Anyway, let's uh, let's take some calls here. And again, if you'd like to be part of our program, you can send us a, an email at questions at moneymatters.com. We'll schedule a time to record. Or you can call 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Matt. Matt, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. Thanks very much for taking the call. Yes, sir. Uh, I love your show. I've been listening for over 20 years. Oh, okay, well, thank, thank you. you. I like long-term listeners. I'll get right to my question. I know your time is tight. You guys have mentioned in the past that you were you started the first reverse mortgage company. Is that correct? A reverse mortgage company. Not it wasn't the first. The first a reverse. A yeah. reverse. And okay. uh, that was in 2004, Four. and we sold it in 2008 to— Seven. Seven to Genworth. That's correct. So okay. that's why I wanted to ask you guys, because it, it's entered my mind, and I spoke with a mortgage guy not too long ago, and we were talking about finances, and he said, you might consider reverse mortgage. Well, you know, my wife and I live on a fixed income. We're both 69, and I'm not going to get into all the, the specifics, but I'll just give you the round numbers. We've got a, a house that's worth 800, and we've got about 600,000 in equity, over 600,000 in equity. Uh, not a ton in savings, not a ton in 401k because of medical issues and this and that. That's, I'm not going to bore you okay. with all the details. The, the bottom line is my goal is to get the house paid off because our house payment right now, we still have six years to pay on it. It's about 70% of our income. So we have our Social Security plus we have a small pension. So and we live fine and we don't have too much house. We don't. I'm, I'm okay with living here the rest of my life. That's not a problem. But I talked to the guy about reverse this particular individual reverse mortgages, and he's telling me that you know FHA's got a guaranteed loan. We've got to pay sixteen thousand dollars in fees to FHA to guarantee the loan, and then on top of that, there's closing costs this and that. He says you'll be out probably at least twenty thousand bucks. And I'm thinking. I've got $600,000 in equity in this home. Why would I give up $20,000 of that? So, so let, let's, I, let, let's step back for a second. And I don't okay. know what the exact fees are. Anyway. So let's step back for a second. So the, the, the size of a reverse mortgage, and, and by the way, this is from memory. that The rules have changed over time, but the, the general concept is the same. The size of the reverse mortgage is based on two factors. One is the value of the home. Forget what the equity in the home is, but the value of the home. And then the age of the individual or the couple that is living in the home, the people on title. If, if that, you're 91 years old, you can get a reverse mortgage for almost the almost what your home's worth. Right. So when they quote you that number, my guess is they quoted you to the maximum that you would actually be eligible for in a reverse mortgage, not for just the $200,000 that you want to pay off the mortgage. And I'm not saying whether you should do it one way or the other, but my guess is that those numbers are wrong because you're probably, they quoted it, you being able to borrow three dollars $500,000 $500, of the home based upon your age and the value of the home. And then that's the number. What you do with those proceeds, obviously, is the first thing they do is they pay off the first lien holder, which is the primary mortgage. And then the rest will oftentimes go either as a lump sum to you or as a line of credit. So let's not get hung up on that $20,000 because we, unless you know the answer to that, what was the loan amount? Well, not uh, they wouldn't tell me exactly what the loan amount would be, but all he would tell me was once the loan was closed... They would pay off the first, which is one hundred and ninety-seven thousand. Okay, and they would provide me with a line of credit of ninety-one thousand dollars. Okay, that's the answer. Uh, that's the answer. So it's about three hundred thousand dollars. So what you were talking about at twenty thousand dollars is approximately six and a half percent, which doesn't sound that unusual. Reverse mortgages are not cheap. They are more expensive no. than a yes. primary mortgage. There's no question about it. Um. You have six years left on your mortgage. I mean, one other way to tackle this, and if we were having the conversation a year ago, it would have been different, right? So a year ago, we might have said, why don't you just refinance it into a 30-year mortgage? So let's forget about fixed. it. 30-year fixed mortgage. Let's forget about getting it paid I off. Agree. And not And not worry about it. And that's how I would have addressed it. And it still may be today. 
and it might make sense for today. You shouldn't worry about paying off this mortgage, right? What do you have in savings? Uh, probably only like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so you're my brother, Matt. I, here's what I would say. Here, here's okay. what I would If you have a couple hundred thousand, you, well, you have a couple hundred thousand in how savings. Much, how much are your payments a month? Thirty, thirty-two hundred, which includes principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. And you're not prepaying any of this. I'm not prepaying any of this. And what's thirty-two hundred? It, and it's only three, a three percent loan. Yeah, this is a rough one. I I can see where you. But yeah, actually... I, I did a refi. I did a refi to get to three percent. I think I did it. Uh, what's your three so, years ago? What's your savings look like then? So wait, wait, stop, stop. So when you did a refi. Three years ago, what was the length years? of the loan? Was it 10 years? 10 years. It was a 10-year loan. So that's that, why I've got six years left. Yeah, that's it. why. See, yeah. Yeah, I don't like your structure, Matt, because. I know. Right? <laughs> None of us get out of here alive. We're probably, at some point in time, we're all going to get sick or injured, right? Like, you're 69. Like, if you're in reasonably good health, you might want to enjoy life a little more now and instead of waiting Six years when your home's paid. Yeah, and and quite frankly, for the rest of the listeners, the council, our council back then was look the difference between a, a ten year loan and a thirty year loan back two three years ago was about a half percent, and to buy the thirty year loan and pay a little bit higher in interest and well, then decide where. But here's where we are. So well, here's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have in savings? Two hundred. And are you generating uh, income from that? Well, it's in a four four hundred one ks, and I manage my own. Okay, yes, it's in four hundred one ks from that. So it's not it's not but just it, cash. No, 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 no. But you know what? When I when I if I was to withdraw some of that, I do my own taxes, and I understand finances to a degree. But I could I could I could technically withdraw some of that and not pay tax on it yeah. because of the pace because of the uh, where we're at tax wise. Um, and income wise, because I generate about five thousand a month. So, it, like I said, the, the the payment, our house payment, is about seventy percent. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot. yeah. Do you? How, how long do you plan on being in the house? Forever. This is really tough. Um, well, yeah. are there? <laughs> and I don't know the answer. I mean, if if you could get a thirty year mortgage with a variable rate. But there's still a, yeah, I don't know yeah, if I do that. Have that risk. That's scary. Yeah. No, I know. I just, yeah. I, just, yeah. I just shoved that out of my head. What would a 30-year rate <laughs> uh, mortgage be at today? Uh, 3.4%. I mean, 6.4%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, this is the dilemma I've been I, going well, through. I, and look, here's where, like, here's where when reverse mortgages make the most sense. So one of our early employees, his mother-in-law came to him. She was 84 years old. She had been losing weight. People just thought she was just aging and losing weight. She says, can I talk to you about this reverse mortgage, how these things work? Now, she had been widowed on a handful of years, did not want to leave her house. She had racked up credit card debt of, what, 38, 42,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. And she got to the point she couldn't find it, get any more credit. So she literally was cutting back on her caloric intake because of cash flow but where she had plenty of equity in her she home. didn't want to be a burden on her homes like reverse mortgage changed her life right so like yeah. that's the perfect situation the complete opposite end is someone who's on the day they turn 62 takes out as much equity as they can from their house so they can go blow it it's kind of like the last trip to the well right so you're you're still relatively that's not me. Yes, that's not you that's at not all. You, I gave you no. two extremes, <laughs> right? Um, I understand. Yeah, th this is a really. I mean, so what, what? What's the what's what's the downside in waiting? Well, it, it's it, it's it, it's it's too much. Can't he doesn't have yes. any money? It, he's he knows in six years from and now the cash flow is going to be when, fine. When you uh, pass away, where's the money going to go? Where's the equity in the home going to go when you and your spouse pass away? It goes back. It goes into the trust, and my son is the uh, trust. You have one child, or how many kids at that point? Just one. And how's he doing? 
Oh, fine. Okay. But look, my dad got a reverse mortgage I, when he was like 75. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you. From some guy who cold uh, called him and asked me later, told me how great they worked, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> your, dad did, your dad didn't realize you owned the, the. Oh, yeah, I guess I was still a little Scotty. Like, um, the, I got to tell you, I, I think I would probably bite the bullet and do the, do reverse, the reverse mortgage. mortgage. Really? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that look at not. What's that? That what I expected you to say. <laughs> well, look, okay. look. If you're, if you said my goal is to die with as much money as possible, then yeah. I would say keep getting this thing paid off, and just t- tighten your belt. But what? But but to what end? The, the first well, thing you know, I would say was, look, you should move out of the house, sell the home. I mean, that's one thing. Sell downsize. the home and downsize to a. Uh, six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand. I mean, that house, would be the simplest thing. That would be the best thing financially, right? This is what you got to do. And but this is our this is our lifestyle. Though, that's right. That's that's why I didn't say that because you said we are not moving, right? Same reason as eighty four yeah, well, year old didn't want to move, right? So uh, then you're like, yeah, what is the other then. alternative? <laughs> you, you you know you're you're surrounded by water with nothing to drink. You've got. Right. You've got eight hundred thousand dollars in net worth. Yeah, right. And, and you just can't access it, it. Well, and what brought this to my what brought this to mind? One of the reasons why. Well, I really respect you guys immensely, and I even told the mortgage. I'm not doing anything. I talked to the Scott and Pat <laughs> because you. you're the guys, the only ones I trust. By the way, the, um, any advice we give is not really advice. Go consult your own advisor. Okay, and, so so. Thank so you. What, what, so where did you think we would go? Not a client engagement. Well, over the last couple of years, you know, we've had things break. So, you know, we don't owe anybody any money other than our mortgage. But, you know, the That's washer dryer goes oh, up. Oh, no, the homes are grand. expensive. So, yep. So I have, I put out a couple of grand here. The air conditioner goes out. There's 13000 there. So I'm finding myself tapping my retirement, my, my 401k yep. money, a little bit at a time. And That's a little right. bit at a time. And I'm thinking... I need more access. If I do reverse mortgage, I need more access than $91,000. Well, you're not, you're going to have a lot more access than $91,000 because you, well, you no longer, you've got taxes and insurance. So the 3200 about 2500 a month. Yeah, correct. And that $2,500 a month is $30,000 a year. So the, anything that is broken breaks down. You have one automobile or two automobiles in the family. Three. Okay, well, the, 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 look, one, 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 one's got to go. One, I mean, really, okay. one's got to go. Uh, and, and I would make an argument that you should probably possibly share an automobile in the next few years. But, you know, money is a tool um, to get to your ends. It's not to die with the most money. Um, I agree. Right? I mean, if you do it right. I agree. Like, my dad always wanted to, like, the last check he wrote, he wanted it to bounce. Like, he's going to end up there. <laughs> and you said, Dad, I think your current checks are bouncing. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to speak ill of my father. But. Um, and I didn't mean anything derogatory. Right? Oh, no, I get it. You knew my dad. Um, I, I, I would go with the reverse mortgage. And, and the cost is okay. going to. Look, that too. cost is going to bother you but it, but but the the alternatives are what are the alternatives continue your current yeah. lifestyle uh get to six years from now you're 75 you've now got excess cash flow perfect you can't enjoy it and um, i would look so at take that take take that 2500 in savings every month and bank it for just stop taking the distributions from the ira yeah or, or convert right. a little to a Roth each Or year, convert a little to a Roth. But that I would look at okay. that 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 line of credit, the ninety one thousand. Don't touch it. And I think it grows every year oh. if you don't spend it, doesn't it? it at least does. it used to. Yeah. yeah. Said it does. I would ignore it yeah. for a decade. It'll let it just keep okay. growing. It's gonna be worth Okay. And hope maybe you'll never need it, but I would yeah. use that for it, look, it is it, it it the twenty grand, it would bother I don't like me the, as well. I don't like the the thought of you spending the next six years. Having the majority of your money paying down a loan. I know. You're right. Yeah. No one knows. I mean, that's why I called you. You don't, like, <laughs> if you were 49, I'd be, well, you're going to have to figure it out. But, like, and you're not buying a motorhome or blowing this frivolously. No. You, 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 it's the, your current lifestyle. 
Yeah. 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 And I, I got to tell you, so look, I don't think there's anything wrong with reverse mortgages. They're most certainly more expensive than a regular mortgage. Um, but you don't have to make a payment. But you don't have to make a payment. And yeah. quite frankly, yeah. what the, the, the that insurance is, is to actually protect the lender if you live too long. Um, or the okay. housing market tanks. Or the housing market tanks or a combination of the two. Um, but I still own the home. That's yeah. right. As long yeah, as you, I, when I my dad passed, when, when my need. dad passed away, my myself and my siblings inherited the home. We sold it and paid off the balance of the reverse mortgage, just like okay. a regular mortgage. It was just like a regular mortgage. Okay. Yeah. So right. um, anyway, enjoy it. I mean, that's right. you know, and you, yeah, the alternatives. The, there's no. There's there's no silver bullet here. Uh, there are just yeah. a series of choices you need to make. And look, and this Matt. Is, one of the things that attracted different. us to this, to the reverse mortgages years ago, this is 20 years ago we got interested. Like, we view this as a, a, re, a necessary retirement income tool for many Americans. That's right. Like, it's awesome if you can get to retirement and have $2 million bucks saved up, but the vast majority of Americans don't have $2 million saved up. But the majority of retirees do own a home, and there are times like in your situation when this tool can really help. Yeah, and we didn't think that anything was wrong with reverse mortgages. They're more expensive, so be it. We just entered the space because we actually thought that there was a need, that there was, and it came from this radio show, quite frankly. People were calling, asking us questions about reverse mortgages. We went and did research, and we're like, these reverse mortgages make sense for some people. What we thought was that the the way the industry was actually delivering them wasn't, they weren't, being delivered in context of a financial plan. They were just being delivered as a product. And oftentimes people would say, take the cash and then some annuity. On yeah. Top of so it. anyway, I appreciate the call. Thank you for being a uh, longtime and, listener. Yeah. And I, we, I was sincere and um, this is not considered yeah, we can't. direct advice. <laughs> so. By the way, in the, I think we have a disclaimer that usually says those things just yes. because. Uh, anyway, it's been great being here. I think we had a good program today. I appreciated the uh, variety, variety of different questions. Yes, they're all kind of interesting. I guess that's why I'm still. Okay, is that office. right? <laughs> I, well, I had well, a good time. Thank you for being here. Anyway, Mr. this Hansen. has been All Worth Money Matters. We'll see you next week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.